Hey guys, welcome back. I'm Lacey, your host, also the creator of the brand, business, and podcast, Ox and Plow. For those of you who don't know, we are a design and branding media group for the cannabis space. We're here to provide you with value in introducing and sharing the stories and lives of other women in the cannabis space. Today, we have a very special guest, Aliza Sherman, CEO of Elementa Inc. and HerCannaLife.com. Not only is Aliza influential for women in the cannabis industry, she is so real and inspiring. I hope you guys love this episode and I hope it inspires you. And if it does, please click, rate, and review us on iTunes. Okay, now for our interview with Aliza. Hello. Hi, Eliza. Hey, it's Aliza, by the way. Aliza, I'm so sorry. Sorry, guys. I did not know that to all the listeners. Um, it's my <laughs> first time actually talking with Aliza. Um, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. We're so grateful that you're here. Oh, absolutely. And by the way, I have two small dogs who constantly want to join in on the conversation. So if that happens... <laughs> You'll know we, what, what that's all about. No, we are dog friendly. Seriously. Like <laughs> I have two Shih Tzus and a, a Great Dane that I'm watching right now. The Shih Tzus are mine, but the Great Dane is my parents and I'm watching their dog right now. Oh, and wow. like you'll, you'll hear her. She's two and she's like the sweetest thing, but her head is like twice the size as mine. It's it's hilarious. Wow. Um, so no problem at all. Um, well, Aliza, again, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I want to kind of give our listeners just a little backstory of who you are and and what you do, <clears throat> and also just to kind of, if they don't know who you are, um, how you started. Um, so I'll just let you take it away. Well, okay. So let's go way, way back <laughs> in time. Uh, my history is a very eclectic in terms of where I worked, what I've done. I was in the music business for about eight years. I used to work for Metallica and Def Leppard and Bruce Hornsby. and a lot of other amazing artists. That is so cool. Yeah, it was one of those dream jobs. One day I'm listening to the radio in North Carolina. It was a Tesla song, and I thought, oh, that's just so cool. I love music. And the next day (laughs) I'm in New York City working for the agent who books them. (laughs) How How did you get to that point of the dream and then actually there doing it? Well, you know, and it wasn't even my ambition. It was just one of those things that many of us, we listen to the radio, we go to a concert, we're like, yeah, that's the life. But you don't even really think you're going there. I just happened to work as a secretary uh, a few years prior to that. And I was working in a bank and somebody said, hey, there's a booking agency that has a position. Uh, Would you be interested in applying? And I was like, a booking agency? Booking what? And it was bands, booking bands at hotels and weddings and birthday parties. And I was like, "Um, okay. So I got that job and it led to me opening their office in North Carolina, which then led me to an introduction to an agent in New York City who was in the same business, the type of business. And then when his assistant quit, he remembered me and called me up and said, do you want to come to New York and work? And so I did. And it was scary. It was crazy. It was leaving everything I knew behind and starting a whole new chapter of my career. I want to, I want to talk about that for a second, the, the fear in terms of change. I know that a lot of our listeners, especially the women in this industry, have that 
fear of, they have the idea, they have the passion, they have everything, they have all the tools in their toolbox. But Mm -hmm. then when it comes to the fear itself, right, Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost debilitating because you, you fear so many things. Oh, what if I can't do this? Or what made you at that point in your life, um, jump the way that you did? Well, fear is a major barrier but could also be a major driving force. And something happened to me about, oh, I I would say between the time that I was in the music business and then took my next career leap, and that was I was held up at gunpoint and taken against my will and with a friend of mine to the bank in the middle of the night. It was a pretty harrowing moment. And really that, that did it for me. I, after that, my motto was, once you look down the barrel of a nine millimeter gun, nothing really can scare you, which is a little bit of bravado because there is still a lot out there that can scare you. And I think that a lot of us scare ourselves. It's the unknown. It's the sometimes fear of success, not just the fear of failure. So I would say that one of the things I have been very good at is to reinvent myself every couple of years. And and when you say I, when you say reinvent yourself, can you just explain a little bit to our listeners what you mean when you say that? Um do you reinvent mm-hmm. yourself in a spiritual way, in a mm-hmm. way that and if you do, then what are your best practices for doing that so mm. we can all kind of learn from you as well? <laughs> well, I I won't, wouldn't say in a spiritual sense, at least not driven spiritually, but I would mm. say we all evolve spiritually throughout our lives based on the things that we face. But I would say reinvention, I would point to Madonna, believe it or not. <laughs> Love her. <laughs> yeah. And during during the time I used to really point to her, she was uh, very controversial, uh, very sort of love-hate uh, relationship with, with the public. And I admired her taking charge of her own career, of not apologizing for who she was, of feeling comfortable enough to go out there, entirely reinventing her music and pushing the envelope of who people thought she was because she knew who she was. And so she she always stood strong and fast with that. Never let somebody suppress her spirit, her being, her creativity, her power. And I loved that. So I struggle with owning my own power constantly. I struggle with low self-esteem constantly. And we could always go back even further to figure out why, but you know, not a therapy session here. No, absolutely not. But But I think those are valid points, especially for women in this industry who are just Mm -hmm. starting out, even just like myself. How do you, do you use that to fuel where you're Mm -hmm. going and what you do every day? And if you do, especially, I want to really touch on the self-esteem piece because Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of women, even myself just struggle with that, not just Mm -hmm. in this industry, but as a whole. And what are like just a little like tip or tool that you use to give yourself the power of your own self-esteem and and what does that look like for you on the daily basis? Well, it's very simple. I think I've been very keenly aware of my mortality from a very young age. And a lot of children don't necessarily think this, but 
sometimes children become extremely aware, not just of their selves, but of the finite nature of self. And so having that, that's what drives me. My, my personal motto really is life is short, do what you love. And every time I start to I feel that. unhappy or miserable, I, I, I'm a problem solver. I want to know how can I solve this problem of not being happy where I'm at because we create our own situations. Yes, things happen like being held up at gunpoint. Oh my gosh. But if you but if you think about it, it was 1 a.m. We walked out on that street of New York City on the Upper West Side, which at the time was not very safe. We created a situation. We had responsibility. So if we all take responsibility for the situations we're in, remove ourselves from those situations that are not good. I was in an abusive relationship for years in my college years that haunted me through the first years of my career. Removing myself, it's not that easy. I removed myself, got into a car and started to drive away and he leaped into the car and stayed with me and refused to get out. And I had a job waiting for me in another city. So I ended up having to bring him with me. So getting away, I get it, it's not easy. Yeah. And but so, that's it, though. It's removing yourself from the negative or pairing away the negative forces and the negative people from your life. I agree with that. And I think also, like, just your perseverance, too, I think plays a major piece in that to keep you going, right? Especially in an abusive relationship. Um, and I want to talk about also, and we're switching gears a little bit here. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to take away from your story in any way. I want to come back to that. Being a Latina at that time, as a young woman in that situation, how do you feel that that uh, broke barriers for you or caused barriers for you at that time? Uh, are we talking about the time that I was in that relationship or the yeah, time I was just in the relationship? Back to your relationship. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that what I learned, so my mother is, is Hispanic or was Hispanic. She passed away in December. Uh, I'm my, so sorry. Yeah, thank you. Um I think that what I always saw was a subservient attitude toward the male in the household. What I saw was the perfect wife, the perfect mother, giving up everything that you have or want for your family, you know, familia, la familia, you know, the family's first. It's it's all about the husband. It's about his life and his career and his identity. So I watched all of that happen. The subservient nature, it's a, it's a little ingrained in the culture. And that's where I stood a lot is in the shadow or under the thumb of the, the guy that I was in the relationship with. So that happened several times to me. And so it was uh, a pattern. It was a pattern. It was a pattern. And it Were was you aware it, of that pattern at the time and you kept falling mm, into it or did it take time to, to uh, be aware that it was a pattern? I don't think I was aware it was a pattern. I certainly wasn't even aware it was a problem until outside people saw it. So the first one was the physical abuse and the second one was a psychological abuse, which is more uh, insidious by nature because it's not seen. You don't have bruises. You're not being Mm -hmm. physically hit. So I don't know when you're in it, it's like depression. When you're in it, everyone is saying, snap out of it, come on. Can't you see you're depressed? No, you can't. 
(laughs) Can't you see the way out? No, you can't. (laughs) It's like a brick wall that you can't, Mm -hmm. you don't even know what's happening on the other side when really it's yourself. Yeah. And so a lot of it, again, is when you are away from the negative, when you are with the positive, things change. And you come out of the fog or you come out of the darkness and you see a path and a direction that you can take. So perseverance only goes so far when you don't see a way out or you mm. don't see a way through. So That's I think, a great point. yeah, so I think that a lot of it, and, and I, I said that I still struggle with so much of this. Mm. I, I'm in the position right now where we're going for a seed round of funding. And this is not a way to generalize, but in general, (laughs) women tend to be very intimidated by the fundraising process, not the fundraising for a good cause to have to try to get a donation, but the the invest in my company because what I'm doing is big. What do you, where do you think that intimidation stems from? I think a lot of it is societal. A lot of it is training or lack of training, conditioning or lack of conditioning. Do you think that's just in our industry specifically or do you think that's no. global? Oh, that's global. Oh, I, well, I, I don't want to say global. I, it's definitely uh, an American thing. Oh, yeah. I agree uh, with that. An American societal thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, women are not necessarily revered. There are other countries and other cultures where women and even elders are absolutely revered. That's not a normal American thing. And that's a detriment. That's a detriment to our society. That's a detriment to any industry. And I think we hear a lot about the fact that the cannabis industry is so open to women And I think that is true, but any early industry is. I got into the tech industry. I I went online for the first time in 1987. Yeah, you actually, yeah, you you started the first woman-owned internet company. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that is incredible. Can you talk a little bit about that and how it started and where you got the idea and just all the little details? Sure. Well, let me leap you from the music business. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. We keep we keep jumping, <laughs> you guys. I'm so sorry. I, I didn't expect this, but I mean, your story is just so incredible, and I don't want the listeners to miss out on any details. So, yes, we're going to definitely loop back so that we can hear everything. So, yes, please. <laughs> well, well, in, in, in 10 seconds, it was the music <laughs> business. Then I left that to run a nonprofit organization as executive director on domestic violence awareness, which opened my eyes. And then after that, I started the first woman-owned internet company, as you said, called CyberGirl. And in the process of looking for other women who knew what the internet was, I ended up starting Web Girls International, which grew to about 100 chapters around the world, 30,000 women participating, and it was women teaching women about the internet and women creating opportunities for other women in the internet industry. And that was very rare, very unique at the time and very much needed because women made up 10% of the internet population. So that came about mostly because I got online for the first time in 1987. It was my secret little hobby. Nobody knew what it was. My roommate thought I was weird. (laughs) 
and it morphed into becoming a content provider online, a community builder online, and then starting Cybergirl because I just wanted to create resources for women to give them an incentive to go online. There was nothing really out there for them. So I created the first three websites for women. Wow. So that, that was another interesting time. And there's a lot of parallels between the internet industry at that time and the cannabis industry now. Mm-hmm. That feeling of it being a little bit of the open wild west, the feeling that it is, is a place where women could gain a foothold and not to be pessimistic, but we felt that when WebGirls was running strong in the early days of the internet industry, and once the bigger money came in, the big corporate dollars came in, the window closed for women in a lot of ways. And did that and, shut down mm-hmm. CyberGirls? No, Cyber so Girl Cyber, and WebGirls, or, Cyber Girl and WebGirls, or, or no. did they grow into something bigger or different from that experience? Well, the, the, the true story is I had a choice between my relationship with my boyfriend and the company, and I chose the relationship with my boyfriend at the time, gave up my company. and How old were you at uh, that time? Just so our listeners kind of have an idea, and I would love to know if that's okay. I think, oh boy, late 20s, early 30s, early mm-hmm. 30s maybe. Okay. Yeah. And so I gave up everything. I gave up my intellectual property. I gave up my ownership stake in the company. I walked away from everything. It was a devastating time. In fact, I had sort of a team of cheerleaders and supporters around me, lawyers and business people and advisors who wanted it to go differently. They wanted me to kick out uh, the other business partner. And I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. That just wasn't me. And so I stepped away and gave it all up. And big lesson, tough lesson, hard lesson. But again, it was part and parcel of the idea of getting away and moving from the negative. So it opened up a lot of possibility. I started another company that was a a bilingual website for Latina professionals called Eviva. And got some funding for that. And then the market crashed. So I licked my wounds and bought an old RV and drove around the country by myself for a year and had a a website called RV.com that documented my journeys. Wow. Is it still active today, RV.com, if our listeners wanted to go check it out? RVgirl.com. Yeah, it's still online. That's so cool. And Um, yeah, I'd like to know a little bit more about (laughs) traveling around in an RV for a year. What did that look like for you? And where did Uh, you go? Yeah, so I went everywhere, really 40 of the 50 states in the United States. Alone, completely alone. Well, I had two chihuahuas with me. (laughs) (laughs) And so it. It, to me, it just looked like the open road and moving forward into the unknown, which I think was a great metaphor for everything we do in life. It's moving forward, hopefully forward, and it's always unknown what's going to happen. And so here's the open road. It's just me, this big RV, my two little dogs, and no real destination in in us in the plan until I turned it into a 51 city book tour for one of my books because I've written 11 books and then September 11th happened 
So I was literally heading back to New York City for my next book tour. And for which book was this? So that would have been so I the 51 City Tour was for Cyber Girl, uh, the the tips and for the professional you which was an internet guide where the publisher said, we can't talk about the internet right now because there's a big backlash and nobody wants to know about it. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a book all about how women can use the internet for their careers and to start businesses. And I wasn't allowed to say internet. Oh my God. (laughs) And so that, so that was the book for the 51 cities. And then heading back to New York city, I had my first book appearance for power tools for women 10 Ways to Succeed in Life and Work. For that book, that first appearance was in the World Trade Center. So as I was heading back, uh, New York City was shut down. So that completely turned everybody's lives, our country, around into a bit of a tailspin, (laughs) to say the least. Definitely to say the least. Yeah, it was a turning point in sort of all of our lives. Just for me, I left New York City, moved to Wyoming, met a man from Montana, and he married me and brought me to Alaska. So that was my short version of how I got back here. And oh, by the way, it's snowing right now. I'm just looking out the window. (laughs) I'm actually in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and it is 84 degrees today. We are on the opposite ends of the spectrum. (laughs) I'll be there at the end of May. Oh, well, I would love to connect with you when you're here. Yes, there's going to be an Elementa uh, gathering on May 30. Oh my so. gosh, that sounds so exciting. Um, if our listeners wanted to, and they're in the Phoenix area or even not, um, how can they sign up for that? So if you go to the Elementa website, it's got two L's in it. So E-L-L-E-M-E-N-T-A, elementa.com slash gatherings. And you can see all of the, I think about 20 different gatherings happening in cities across the country this month, the month of May. Yeah. So it is, it is an amazing place to be right now in the cannabis industry as a woman. And just in general, as an entrepreneur, I mentioned that there's a lot of parallels between the internet industry and the cannabis Mm -hmm. industry. It is, it is a great place for women right now and Elementa it's not about which is one of the, the industry. Two, I just so that our listeners are aware, it's mm-hmm. one of the two companies that you own, correct? Well, it is the cannabis company that I own, and under that is a website called Her Canna Life. So, Her Canna Life is a website that showcases women in the cannabis industry, and then Elementa is for all women. It's about cannabis and CBD for health and wellness, very health and wellness focused, very much focused on what women need in, in terms of uh, PMS support, menopause support. It could be anything from caregiving for an autistic or epileptic child to caregiving for our ailing or dying parent or friend, somebody with cancer. I mean, it, you name it. We and as women are the epicenter. Well, even for self-care. Thank you. Yes. I should never forget that. In fact, my 11th book is about self-care and and caring for uh, the collective. Uh, So yes, self-care is so important. I think though, as women, we sometimes 
we as Elementa realize we can attract more women saying that they can be better caregivers and care providers. And then we can remind them they need to take care of themselves. Because it's in our it's, framework, naturally. It's in our framework. It really is. And, and it's not that we ever want you not to be a nurturer or not, or we don't want to be, but as the saying goes, if you don't put the oxygen mask on first, you don't have any wherewithal to help other people. And so I think women are finally starting to come around when they do come to Elementa gatherings, talking about their own struggles so their struggle with insomnia, their struggle with chronic pain, their struggle with inflammation, what, whatever it might be, an autoimmune disease, a lot of these things can be addressed through natural uh, medicine, natural Is plant that, medicine. And so when you started Elementa and her Canalife, can you tell our listeners just how that was birthed and how it came about and just the process in which you got into the cannabis industry from the very beginning, even if it wasn't starting these companies, but from the very beginning to the point where you are now? Well, I have been formally in the cannabis industry for two years. What was your first job in the cannabis industry? Well, I don't take jobs, really. <laughs> I, I started her can of life. <laughs> so I, while I was looking at the cannabis industry as a way to expand my marketing consulting business, I realized I had so much to learn. And it reminded me of the early days of the internet, as I said. And I, in the process of looking for new clients learned more about cannabis and CBD and realized, oh, that might be able to help me with my chronic pain that's been keeping me up at night and the chronic insomnia for the last year that's ruining my life. Can you talk about, can you talk about that pain? If, are you open to talking about that pain and how it started and, and, and what you suffer with? Oh, well, yeah. So the, the uh, insomnia came a lot from menopause and changing hormones, but the hormonal shift I've learned also was affecting my body, my muscles, my bones, my tendons. And so I, over the course of six years, had two frozen shoulders. And then as soon as those were healing up, I began to feel neck pain and it was pretty severe. Couldn't turn my head, keeping me up at night, causing all the kinds of negative things that happen when you're in chronic pain. And that came from 20 plus years on the computer. So it, they called it arthritis. So that was pretty debilitating on levels I never even imagined. Then once I began to learn about cannabis, I was in Arizona at the time. And then I moved back to Alaska, which is one of the, the nine legal states. (laughs) (laughs) Then I I said, well, I better try this then because I, I cannot take this anymore. And a woman brought me some, showed me what to do. And the first night I tried it, I slept through the night. And the thing that I say, do you remember when what I told, strain it was that first time? No, okay. no, she did. She didn't even know. <laughs> What a great way to like start your first cannabis experience. You have no idea what's in it and you just go for Mm -hmm. it. 
I love yeah, it. Yeah, well, I, awesome. I, I trusted her, and I think that's really a basis of Elemental, too, is that we trust our girlfriends, we trust our sisters, we trust our, our whoever it is that we trust, for better or for worse, we trust them. And I think one of the things that we feel strongly about with Elementa is educate yourself, get the good information. So back then, I didn't know the difference between indica and sativa and the hybrids and the terpenes and the cannabinoids. I mean, I just didn't know. It wasn't even in my language or on my radar. So now that I've learned more, I can start to navigate. But I have to say for myself, I don't spend a whole lot of time on that. Uh, I, I was able to nip that cycle of pain in the proverbial bud. I was able to stop that cycle of pain. And from, from the time that you first started mm-hmm. and you felt that first night of relief, from that point on, were you um, consuming daily, regularly? What did that look like for you? Mm-mm. No, no. It was very much uh, as needed and only in the evenings, specifically at night, specifically at bedtime after everybody in the house was asleep. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I'm very typical of the kind of woman that we try to reach with Elementa that we're not necessarily looking to try this every day, all day. We're looking not necessarily to have a party. We're looking for relief. We're looking for relief from pain. We're looking to just feel better, to have a better life overall, a better quality of life overall. And I find microdosing very interesting. I don't do it. My business partner, Ashley, does. She actually used cannabis to get over uh, an opioid addiction. And she does microdose. And she's fully functional. She's great. She's a total go-getter. And I marvel at that. I just, it just, just doesn't seem like that's right for me. And I think that's the perfect perfect setup for the idea that cannabis and CBD is a very individual experience. What it does for you can be very individual, how you take it, how much you take, what strain you take, what terpene profile you have that works for you. It's all individual. And do you it's have, also based on lifestyle. Do you still uh, consume just in the evening? And if you do, what is your strains that you use? <laughs> You're still thinking that I'm like really focused <laughs> on this. I I would say that it is intermittent. It might be just a few nights per month now. But again, and it's an, as needed. Daily pain. Even just consuming those Mm-mm. few times a month, your, your, pain, your pain has gone significantly well, less than from the yes, beginning. Yes, but let me clarify. So it, it broke the cycle of pain. It helped me sleep, which, which if anybody knows sleep is essential to every aspect of your health, physical, emotional, spiritual, everything. If you're not getting good sleep, it will wreck you and you will lose years of your life if you're not getting good sleep. So, so first of all, sleep and the breaking of cycle of pain. So anyone who's been in chronic pain, that's why the doctors will put you on these huge doses of Advil, for example, an anti-inflammatory for a short period of time, because they don't want to ruin your liver and kidneys. But they do that to break that cycle because your brain, your brain, your nerves are all in this little circle that they keep on going and spiraling. And the minute you break that and you give your brain and your nerves and your body a 
that break, you're able to get healing in there. So I also did other modalities. So I would have a massage, I would have energy work, I would have chiropractic treatments, and then taking some anti-inflammatories, not medication, and just in drugs, not pharmaceuticals, but turmeric, turmeric tea, um, CBD, et cetera. So I don't ever want people to think, oh yeah, cannabis and CBD, the miracle cure cures everything and all. It's not that, but it's part of your medicinal toolkit. And to be able to have access to it, to be able to open up a medicine chest someday and know that you've got your cannabis and your CBD right next to your aspirin, your echinacea, et cetera. It's just a, a vehicle. That's it. A vehicle of it, your health. It's part and parcel mm-hmm. of what you use. And so, yeah, so for me, broke the cycle of pain, did all of these other things. It, it, had an, it created opening for healing. So I still have a little bit. I still feel it there. Mm-hmm. And when it get, gets to be bad, uh, then I know I have something to turn to that is gentle. Uh, being able to sleep through the night is a miracle. But for me, what my main focus is, is, is really helping other women understand this. That's my mission is I, you know, I woke up without pain and I thought, why don't more women know? Well, what more women don't know, more people don't know because we've been fed a bunch of lies. I mean, if you think right now, fake news and all the lies that are coming out yes. Yes. <laughs> is, 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 is powerfully destructive. Imagine what we've been experiencing since the early 1900s when people in power, men in power, wanted to suppress cannabis and vilified it, made it illegal, irresponsibly and ignorantly, and then all the people followed. And so getting rid of stigma is a tremendous undertaking. Those of us who are communicators and speakers and teachers, we want to share better information. And that is the basis of Elementa, is to share better information. So we bring brands together that have great products and services and are struggling with that barrier of stigma and struggling with that education piece or struggling to reach women specifically. And we partner with them to reach more women. We bring in experts, scientists, female, all female experts to speak with women and to answer questions. And then we bring women together from all walks of life in cities across the country. And now we're moving into Canada this month. That is amazing. That's what Elementa is for. We are building that platform, that network, that engine for driving the dissemination of better information and to have women teaching women about cannabis and CBD. So it comes from a place that is relevant to our lives. Wow. That is just, I'm just absorbing all of that. I think, I think it's incredible. And I think, you know, I truly strongly believe that women supporting other women is just such an important piece in just a daily essential that you need to have in order to not just run a business, a brand, but also to build. And I feel like Mm. when you build those relationships and you collaborate rather than compete, regardless of if you're on the same playing field or not, that that is what is ultimately going to bring 
you value and it's going Mm. to also help your business grow. And I think it's just so amazing that Elementa specifically bringing all these women together, they're collaborating, they're talking, they're bouncing ideas off each other. They're, you know, they're communicating. And I think that like what you touched on, that's a huge piece is the communication piece. Um, Mm -hmm. I would love to talk about your co-founders, Melissa and Mm, Ashley. Yes, Um, me too. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, Can you talk about how you met them, just your relationship on a daily basis Mm -hmm. and what they mean to you and your company and moving forward? Well, first, I'm going to start with the second question, what they mean to me. They are two of my dearest friends and confidants, and I love them. I trust them. Running a business with anybody having a partner in business is like a marriage. It's very challenging. It's one of the more challenging relationships out there, I think, but it's also very rewarding. So having that trust is incredibly important. Having a business with friends is also very challenging because there's so many layers to your relationship, but these are two dynamic intelligent, capable women. I wouldn't partner with anything but. (laughs) (laughs) And so how did I meet them? I met Ashley about 12 years ago, 13 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, 12 years ago. I had been having multiple miscarriages and I decided to make a documentary film interviewing women about the impact of miscarriage on your life, on your relationship, and also the struggle to be taken seriously by the medical profession and to get answers from your doctors and to just to find ways of healing. So this was my vision for this documentary film. And I interviewed Ashley. Uh, So I was miscarrying at the time I was running the camera filming her. And I remember her getting me some Advil because I was in so much pain. So that was our That was our bonding moment. That is when we met. And we stayed in touch, maybe peripherally. Social media kind of keeps people somewhere on your radar at some point in time. And then I noticed as I was doing Elementa, she was doing work for Doobie and some other companies. And I, and I was, and this was just a few years ago. And I'm like, Ashley, what? And then we ran into each other at MJ BizCon. And I just thought, this is amazing. So she was the first organizer to run an Elementa gathering for women after I started them in Anchorage, Alaska. Wow. So and when did, when did, when was that first, when was that first gathering? Mm-hmm. So Elementa came to being in January of 2016. And the first gathering was held in Anchorage, April, and then another one in May. And then we, went to Denver in June. So at that time, I had partnered in business with Melissa, who I had known for maybe five or six years. We had met at South by Southwest. She's a documentary filmmaker and was making a a film about people in the internet industry and interviewed me. And we stayed in touch. She brought me on to some very creative wild and crazy projects. I brought her on to some not so wild and crazy social media projects for clients. And <laughs> she was incredibly creative and stellar. And then when I had this idea for Elementa, she was a woman I knew I could work with. 
And I also, talked to her for months also, before she joined us. That's amazing. Um, I, I want to, I don't want to forget this piece to it that you mentioned a couple of times, the creative piece of it. Um, I'm a visionary and creative myself, and I, I know a lot of our listeners are. Um, can you talk about the creative collaboration with you, Melissa and Ashley, um, and how important that is to you, um, not just on the business side, but even just on your side projects or your passion projects? Obviously, Elementa is, is, is your passion, but um, if you could just touch on that a little bit, that would be awesome. The creative process? Yes. <clears throat> well, I would say that Melissa is the epitome of the creative, the way her brain works, the things that she produces. I'm in the middle. I have both sides of my brains going back and forth, which can be very complicated and very exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. So on the one hand, I can be incredibly free flow creative. But then I've got this super analytical side and I like logic. I like structure, but also Melissa is a very process oriented person. So she brings process to a little bit of my chaos. Ashley is a hustler. She's a go-getter. And I say that in the best and most positive way. She is the the woman who is out there on the street. She pounds that pavement, but then she also embraces people. She's very warm and, 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 very accessible. She draws people in and then she hands them over to us and says, okay, what are we going to do with them? I love them. They're great. They're terrific. Let's come up with something. And so then together we come up with what does this relationship look like? Because at the end of the day, everything is about relationships, whether it's the cannabis industry or our lives. It's about relationships, relationships with ourselves, with one another, with our colleagues, with our family, with our friends, with society at large, with the world, with the universe, with, with earth. You know, it's all about relationships. And it's and so, so important in how you mm-hmm. nourish and how you build those relationships, not mm-hmm. um, in business and like you said, all the way around um, and, and how that grows and how you water it is kind of how it affects the growth. Yes. And so this is all about that garden, that proverbial garden. Elementa really is. I keep on saying we're building this foundation, this network, this these channels to reach women with better information about cannabis. But the fact of the matter is the better analogy is we're planting a garden. We're planting seeds. And these seeds are good information, wonderful products with, with companies who totally believe in empowering women and experts, women who, who have been studying cannabis and CBD for years now and are finally coming out of that cannabis closet and have a, an outlet, a forum to bring their information to other women. And then women who are seeking relief for themselves or their loved ones or just Honestly, I'm not saying don't go get high and have a great time because relaxation, <laughs> you know, think I about it, it. Re- no, awesome. <laughs> but relaxation and laughter are two of the best medicines we can have. So what I'm just saying is learn about it. I had this one woman show up in Anchorage who said, my husband and I have been growing since the seventies up here in Alaska since 1975. It has essentially been legal for for individuals to grow in their home and to carry up to an ounce on their person and to consume in the privacy of their home. And so this woman says, I, my husband and I have been growing since the 70s. We love this. And she said, this Elementa meeting is the first time I heard about cannabinoids and terpenes to understand why 
this is good medicine. And I was like, that's exactly right. Wow. That's exactly right. That's very powerful. Mm-hmm. So what happens at an Olympic gathering, and I just have to say, people say, oh, is it a networking meeting? No. Is it a professional meeting? No. What is it? Well, it's a women's circle. It is women sharing wisdom with other women. And that is tremendously powerful. And women walk away from these gatherings saying, wow, I haven't experienced this before, or this is just what I needed. I had no idea this is what it was. Do you think? Because we've lost that as women. We've lost that kind of circle, except amongst our friends. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's, I mean, I, I'm so on that. I'm, I'm on your level. I really, really, <laughs> really believe that with all my heart. And that, that's, you know, part of what our show's about is, you know, really educating women, not just on the business side, but just cannabis as a whole. And I feel like Elementa truly gives that to women specifically. Would you say that in the gatherings that women who are struggling with, whether it be mental or physical pain, Um, that this would be a good event for someone who maybe has never tried cannabis before and is, is wanting more information, wants to be around other women who are using it for postpartum depression or for anxiety or um, any physical pain. Would you say that that is a platform for them in the event of a gathering where they can learn more? Yes, that is more than anything. If, if we put our business and marketing hats on, I would say, Our target market is the woman who has never tried it or has tried it back in high school or college, but never returned to it and is hearing about it. Her state is maybe going legal or going medical and she doesn't know where to turn. She just doesn't know who to ask because she frankly hasn't even had a conversation with her friends about it. And what happens is when you start to talk to your girlfriend, suddenly they'll like look at you and they'll look down and they'll look up and they'll be like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm microdosing. Because, <laughs> But we all may have the, the girlfriend who just pulls out a joint and, and smokes it and doesn't think anything of it. And we're all like, oh. <laughs> but we're looking for her. We're looking for that woman who is has never tried. And we're looking for that woman who just pulls it out as if it's just a normal part of life, because it is a normal part. It should be a normal part. Oh, I agree. And so bringing those women together, the total newbie, if you will, and the more experienced woman is incredibly energetic and dynamic and watching that learning happening and watching a woman look at a different woman going, oh, Okay, interesting. And start asking lots of questions. And a woman suddenly, who never felt she was an expert, she's talking about her own experiences and sharing that wisdom. And it's just brilliant. So we provide the forum for this to happen. We are non-consumption events. We are monthly meetings, bringing these women together with these brands, with these experts, but it's not about consuming on on the spot. It's about learning the health and wellness aspects of cannabis and CBD. I think that's just 
that's amazing. And I think all of our listeners, you know, feel that maybe they, they need that, that gathering. And I feel like it's so essential in our industry today and even moving forward that we have those connections. And I think it's just so amazing what you've started and where you're at and where Element is going. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that you're able to share that on our platform and on your own. And I, I'm just, I'm so excited about it and I can't wait mm. to just be more part of it. Um, I, I do want to know, what are your, what are some tips for maybe women, men too, um, that you can give them when they're first starting out and they just start having questions? What are one or two resources that you can send them to? Maybe they don't want to talk about it with their girlfriend. Maybe they're in fear of themselves, even, you know, entertaining the idea. What is one tip for them that you can give them if they're listening today? I would say, and you're talking about consuming. You're not talking about being in the industry. Actually, that is a very good point. Let's, Mm -hmm. can we answer that to both sides? Absolutely. So on the personal side, I would say it is about education. So there's lots and lots of information online. I would recommend if you're looking at CBD, go to projectcbd.org, a very good resource, solid resource. Uh, We tend to use Leafly a lot. Although if you're looking for women specific information, I hope that elementa.com will be useful to you. And also men, you, you're welcome to come to our website. (laughs) (laughs) There's, there's information that could potentially be useful to you as well, but it really is geared. It's about women for women by women. So I think that's a pretty specific Uh, aspect uh, and viewpoint. And then on the professional side, I would say, oh, back to the personal though, really quick, find somebody who's comfortable with it and ask questions. I would say a person who's comfortable with it is more than happy to talk to you about it because going online can be very confusing, but having a person next to you talking to you can be very helpful. And not as so overwhelming the, as maybe what And the not as overwhelming. Is. Right. Mm-hmm. And on the professional side, same kind of advice. Do your homework. Go to the best <laughs> resources online and find a human, a person who could be a mentor to you. I think that's true for any industry, but the cannabis industry specifically it's very open right now, very friendly. People are willing to help. Everyone seems to have the ethos that if, if you succeed, I'm going to succeed too, because we will all raise each other up. I have encountered already a few people who aren't of that ethos. Oh my gosh, they tend, they tend, yeah, they tend to be the ones that are very driven by money first. Yes. And hey, I will not... I will not deny it. I, w- I would like to make a lot of money. I would like to have a lot of money. I, we all the do. Thing is, yeah. But in our society, that, that having the money, having the means can help us achieve more of the things that we're trying to do with our mission, with our awareness, yeah, awareness with breaking the stigma. So money should not be a dirty thing. But those driven first by money tend to have a framework of greed and of selfishness and of holding things back and of territorial attitude that just does not work in this industry right now. There's just no room for that. We won't grow if you hold tight. Right. So we're about giving and opening up and sharing and bringing together so the collective is stronger, uniting voices so that our voices are stronger. 
it sounds like a nonprofit mission, but I tell everyone women should never apologize for wanting a successful money-making business that has a strong, positive, do-good mission. I think you're a perfect example of that. Um, and I, and I feel like our listeners would agree. Um, another question that I have for you while I have a little bit of time with you left, if you don't mind, um, what are some things that you can kind of give us as even myself included, I'm going to be selfish here. Um, what are some tips that you would give, um, women in this industry that are just starting out, um, that are Mm -hmm. trying to build their businesses and brands. Um, what are just a couple things that you can tell us that, um, you, that helped you in your own life or that Mm -hmm. you feel would be beneficial to them? Well, I would say first and foremost, uh, look to partner because we can't do it alone. So whether it's business partners, strategic partners, whatever you want to call it, don't try to go it alone. You don't have to go it alone. And it's very lonely when you do. It's very overwhelming when you do. So find the people who also believe in the things that you believe in that want to achieve similar things and find ways to partner. So there's a lot of- they're broke, if they are broke and they started their business with nothing, like myself. That's what you do, that you partner. And I I was just about to say- Money does not have to exchange hands. It's an exchange of energy. It's an exchange of support. It's an exchange of having like that sounding board of of amplifying one another's messages in social media. It's having partnership and partnership can make money in the long run. Yeah, that's how I found you. I was just, I I DM'd her can of life and, and here we are now. (laughs) <laughs> which is so so interesting because the hurricane alive uh instagram has been so neglected for a year and a half and i just started to go back in and i said gosh i really should not be wasting this resource and voila all these things started happening <laughs> no way and that, that's, awesome. that's it and that's it it's just reach out and you did and guess what happened? Yeah. We finally connected. And you guys, Alisa and, is not yeah. getting paid for this, by the way. So I am more than grateful for this time with her. But just so everyone mm-hmm. knows, like this, this was truly just me reaching out um, and her mm-hmm. graciousness of responding and giving me that time. So I think that's a really good example to use for our listeners that using social media as a tool to collaborate and communicate with other brands and mm-hmm. entrepreneurs um, who are just wonderful like yourself and are willing to give that time. And I want to also say, just so that everyone understands now, you know, I've maybe sent over a thousand DMs and maybe I only got one or two responses. So it takes time mm-hmm. and you want to make mm-hmm. sure you're researching the right brands that really represent what you're trying to accomplish. Also, not just any cannabis brand or business, but ones that you find inspiring to you and your brand. Would you agree with that? Yes. And we're very selective who we work with. I always say, I want to work with companies who believe in education first, educating the consumer and who also firmly believe in empowering women. And if you don't have those two things at the top of your mission, then I I can't work with you. I can't bring you into our community of women because our women trust us. Elementa is about community and trust. And if you break that trust, that's incredibly detrimental, not just to your business, but to the relationship. And so that look for the right partners, look for the right people to 
be your cheerleaders and your supporters, uh, but don't go it alone. You don't have to. There's no reason to. I want to. I want to talk more about that yeah. offline if we're if we can. Uh, sure. For for women right now who are just sitting at home, they're listening. Um, if they are looking for a partner, where should they go? Hmm. Should they still There's, use yeah. social media? Should they use oh, Facebook? There's lots of ways. Well, I mean, I'm not going to sit there and say which social network is the best, although I do think Instagram has been incredibly powerful I for us. I agree. <laughs> um, so really, you go to your community. You go to the networking events. You go to the business events. Women Grow is a in a lot of communities across the country, and they're professional. Yes. So when I went to several women grow meetings. I didn't feel it was a place to say, uh, I have this chronic pain. What can I do? It was the place to say, I'm looking to start a business. So looking for strategic partners. It's, it's really great. You just put yourself out there. There's nothing different about the cannabis industry in terms of the principles of marketing and business other than there is stigma. So you have to be careful sometimes who you talk to because it could turn people off. But in general, if you're in the right circles, you talking about it is not going to be a detriment. It's going to be a plus. Okay. Lesson, so, lesson taken. Put yourself right. out there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just one more thing. Okay. Cause I, cause you know, I have to take my daughter to the eye doctor because okay. I'm also a mom. Oh, oh my gosh. To- that's no, that's really good for our listeners to know. A lot of moms are listening. So that's, that's really good to know. Time is everything. Um, what is, if you could just tell us one of your philosophies is self-care. What would you say is the one thing that is um, a self-care regimen for you that you use every day or that's a daily routine for you? Well, besides sleep, which is so essential because my, my day falls apart if I don't get enough. Uh, I would say I have this great app that Melissa recommended to me called Down Dog. And Down Dog, it, okay. And it is bringing me back into a yoga practice. And I can't say that I do yoga regularly or that I have ever done yoga regularly, but when I do, I am stretched out more. I'm more flexible, less inflammation, more strength. I breathe more deeply. And so this week has been a very challenging week. You should know because it took us. This oh my gosh. Third time yes, we- you guys, we went through the loop to get Aliza on our show. So, and we're so thankful. We were, we were going to accommodate anything that we could get in terms of time with you so so we appreciate that thank you absolutely and I appreciate your flexibility and understanding so honestly an app even though I try to stay off technology which my daughter will tell you I never do (laughs) but I try but to use technology in a positive way a yoga app reminding me and leading me through guiding me through a yoga practice that has been saving me. Wonderful. <laughs> um, Alisa, thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for your time. Um, you. We're so appreciative to have had you on the show. Um, where can people find you? Well, you can find me uh, on Twitter a lot. So Elementa has two L's, E-double-L-E-M-E-N-T-A. My name, A-L-I-Z-A-S-H-E-R-M-A-N, Aliza Sherman. So if you look up me on any social network, chances are you'll find me there as well. But Elementa, especially on Instagram and Twitter, yes, we're on Facebook, but that's probably my least favorite social network. <laughs> Good to know. That's, but those are the places to find us. And then Elementa.com, of course. Uh, I just posted up 
a list of all of our upcoming May gatherings. Oh, and every month I post new gatherings as well. Okay, so, so everyone needs to go check out elementa.com to be able to see when the next gathering is and also to sign up, correct? Yes, you can just sign up to get our emails, which will tell you about the different events that are coming up. Wonderful. Well, Elisa, thank you again so much for your time. And uh, we're so excited to have had you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Bye. Bye.